This morning, I want you to imagine that you knew you only had a few more days to live. Where would you go? What would you do? Who would you spend those precious few days with? And when you were with those people, what, what would be your parting words? That's where we find Jesus this morning in the Gospel of John. In John chapters 13 to 17, we find Jesus' what some people have called last will and testament that he's sharing with the ones he loved the most that he spent the most time with, his disciples. And we find in these, these final moments that Jesus has with them that, that they're not casual. They're not just hanging out. They're very intentional because Jesus knows that soon he's going to die a brutal, gruesome death upon the cross. And so with purpose, with intentionality, he shares with them some final words, final actions. He shares with them final prayers together. And in these chapters, John covers a lot of material. And so I encourage you to read it this week, John chapters 13 to 17. But this morning, what I want to do is I want us to, to zoom in on really some of the first words that he shares with them in these final moments and some of the actions that he does. Because I think if we, we pay attention to what's going on here and we're willing to listen to Jesus in these intimate moments, then I, I think our hearts could be changed. I think our marriages could be changed. I think our work relationships could be changed. I, I think really our communities and our culture could be changed if we will simply lean in and listen to Jesus in these final important words. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open them up. John chapter 13. We're going to begin in verse 1. Uh, if you have a Bible app, um, you can look there as well. And here is what, here's what John writes. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God, and that he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, Those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. And we had finished washing their feet. He put on his clothes and returned to his place and asked them, Do you understand what I have done for you? 
You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And then John continues and he tells us that the one who was going to betray Jesus, Judas, was was there and Jesus identifies him and Judas quickly leaves. So in, in verse 31, we continue, when Judas was gone, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you can't follow now, but you will follow Later, And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you really? Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. There's a lot going on in this passage, and it continues. But this morning, I want you, and these are like verses I want you to underline. I want to zoom in on just a couple of verses, the verses that I think if we listen and live them out, have the power to change everything in our lives. And it's verses 34 and 35, where Jesus says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love another one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I think these are two of the most beautiful verses in the Gospel of John. I think these are two of the most powerful verses in the Gospel of John. But while they're beautiful and powerful, they do raise the question, and the question is, what exactly is new about what Jesus is telling us here. Because if you're familiar, if you've you've been in church any amount of time, I mean, you've probably heard a sermon on what's known as the great commandment from that story in Matthew where somebody comes to Jesus and says, what's the greatest commandment in all of the law? And Jesus says, you you know what he says? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And there, he, he's, he's not just making that up. I mean, he's quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And so Jesus' disciples, they, they would have known that this was a command that God had given his people to, to love each other, to love your neighbor. And so what, what I think is new here, why I think Jesus brings this up once again before he goes to the cross and dies, he's re-emphasizing this. I think he does this because Jesus knew that in their culture, just like ours, love is a very slippery thing and people are always trying to change the definition and use it in different ways. I mean, think about it, that time when another guy came to Jesus And said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, what's written in the law? And the man says, love God and 
Love other people. And Jesus says, well, do this and you'll live. And the man says, well, but who's my neighbor? I mean, who, what, what does it mean to love my neighbor? I don't know. What is love? You know, he's kind of getting into this. He's kind of trying to get out of, of this command to love one another. And you know, in our culture, people use love in all sorts of different ways. If you've watched Bachelor, Bachelorette, you know how it is. People say, I'm in love after two hours with somebody. I'm in love. I'm falling out of love. I fell in love. I'm growing in love. I'm growing out of love. Like, right, you know, 90 Day Fiance, Married at First Sight. It's like in the pandemic, all the shows are proliferating because I guess everybody's looking for love in all the wrong places, right? We, we always talk about love in our culture and we use it in many different ways. I love Thin Mints and cold brew coffee from Starbucks, okay? I love springtime. We use love in all these different ways. You've probably told somebody at some point in your life you love them. They've said, I love you. And, and maybe it's been your experience. Somebody said, I love you. And then they, they did terrible things to you. And so it begs the question, what is love? Or maybe you told somebody you loved them and then you're like, no. Love can be a challenging thing to define. And Jesus knew this. Jesus knew that people were always using it in different ways and, and that at a level people and the culture was confused by it. So I think what Jesus is doing here when he says, I'm giving you a new command, I think he's giving them and he's giving us new clarity on the kind of love that he's talking about. The kind of love that he has for us and the kind of love that he wants us to share with other people. And when he is telling them what this kind of love is like, he basically says, this love looks like me. He says, this love looks like me. Love one another as I have loved you. He's saying, true love looks like Jesus. And this makes sense if you've been following with us in the Gospel of John, because in John chapter 1, we learn that Jesus is God with us. Elsewhere in Scripture, we read God is Love and, and so it makes sense that Jesus is love in the flesh. And so if we want to know what true, authentic love looks like, all we have to do is look to Jesus, who he is and what he's done. And if we look at what comes right before this command that he gives, this new command, and if we look at what happens right after, we begin to see the character, the scope, the nature of authentic Love And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to share with you three ways that Jesus's love and the love that he wants us to have for other people in our world is, is different than the way we often think about love in our culture today. And so the, the first characteristic of love that we come to, we see right, right before Jesus gives them this new command. When he loves them with humble action. That's the first thing I think that characterizes Jesus's love and the love he wants us to have for other people. Humble action, right? I mean, we, we just read that, that at that supper, Jesus, he, he got up from the table, took off his outer garment, got down on his hands and knees, and what did he do? He washed the disciples' feet, poured water into the basin, washed them, dried them. And this scandal isn't 
uh, it's not always clear to us today why, why this was so scandalous or why this was so weird or out there. But, but Peter, in his response, I mean, he, he, he lets us know that this was really weird and really odd for Jesus to do. I mean, he says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? They were like, what are you doing, Jesus? Why, why are you doing this right now? This is, this is not normal. You're the Lord. You're the King of Kings. You're the Son of God. You're the host of this party. This is not something that you should be doing because the host would have never have washed people's feet. It would have been the servant that washed people's feet. So here Jesus, the host, the Son of God, their leader and Lord is doing something that a servant would have done after people have been walking around on the streets with dusty feet, with animal stuff all over them. That's what a servant would have done. And so they're shocked. This is scandalous. And Jesus is saying, look, this is what love looks like. He could have given them a sermon on love in this moment. He could have given them a three-point sermon on love in this moment. But Jesus was a lot better communicator than anyone today. And so Jesus, he didn't do any of that. Instead, he modeled what true love looks like by getting down on the ground and serving them with humble action. And this is, this is different than the way we often think about love today. Because in our culture, when we think about love and when we talk about love, generally, we speak and talk about love as an emotion, as affection, as this, this warm feeling that develops inside of us. And feelings of love are great. They're good. I hope you have them in your relationships. That warm feeling is something great. But I love what Tim Keller in his book, The Meaning of Marriage, writes about Jesus' call to love others. He says this. He says, notice that Jesus is giving a command here and emotions can't be commanded. The Bible doesn't call us to like our neighbor. The Bible doesn't call us to have affection and warm feelings towards him or her. No, the call to love is the call is to love, and that must primarily mean displaying a set of behaviors. It must mean that Jesus is calling us to actions. Feelings aren't always under our control. And so Jesus is saying, you know, muster up emotions of, of love and uh, overflowing gushiness towards somebody else. He's saying, look, no, no, no. We can't just do that on command. We're not in control of our emotions all the time, but we are in control of our actions. And something, this is a principle for life, relationships, and particularly marriage. You know, one of the interesting things is when you begin to do the actions of love, humbly serving and loving other people with your hands and your feet and your life, a lot of times the feelings will grow on the other side of it. And so what Jesus is calling us here is to put our love in action, to love other people tangibly. And one of my friends, when I was talking to him about preaching on this passage this week, he said, you know, a lot of primitive Baptist churches, they wash feet every time they share communion. Before they share in communion, they come up and they wash one another's feet. Because in the Bible, we often read about being reconciled before we come to the table with our brothers and our sisters. And he said, look, it's hard to hold a grudge against somebody when you've been washing their dirty feet. 
And he said also, if there becomes tension in the church and there's like people holding grudges against one another and there's just bad blood, he said the church will call a foot washing. And they'll say, hey, we're gonna wash feet today because it's hard to have bad blood with somebody when you've humbly gotten down on your knees and served them through humble actions. And so this morning, I want to invite you to take off your... Sh- no, we're not, gonna, we're, not gonna, we're not gonna do a foot washing this morning. Maybe post-COVID we'll do one. I do, I do love foot washings, but you, my feet are the worst in this church. I'll just tell you that right now. So we're not gonna do a foot washing this morning. But what I do want to challenge you to do is, is to change the way you're thinking about love from primarily an emotion to an action and to begin humbly loving other people with your words and with your deeds. And as we, as we continue to look at the story and look at who Jesus serves in this moment, whose feet he washes, particularly two people, we see another aspect of Jesus' love. I mean, if you think about who was included in that group who had their feet washed, it was Judas and Simon Peter were both included there. Which is interesting because John tells us that Judas had already decided to betray Jesus before he stepped into that room that night. And Jesus already knew that Judas was going to sell him out for something less than a stimulus check, okay? And I don't know about you, but... I'll ask you, would you, have, would you have washed Judas's feet in those moments? I just want you to be honest with yourself because I know I wouldn't have. I don't think I would have. I think I would have made sure his invitation got lost in the mail. I think I would have, you know, or just avoided him, put him on the other side. I think I would have made it extremely difficult for Judas to do what he was going to do. I don't think I would have washed wash his feet or included him in the bunch. And, and so Jesus is talking about people like me when he, when he said this. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do that. But I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. That's what true love looks like. I mean, love in our age today tends to be conditional. We want to love people who look like us, who are the same race as us. We want to love people who vote like us. We want to love people who believe like us. We want to love people who we, in our own minds, approve of. Our love is conditional, but what we see here in this passage is that Jesus' love is unconditional. The love that Jesus wants us to have for others doesn't have conditions attached to it. Jesus knew what people had done. He knew what they were doing. He knew what they were going to do. And he loved them anyway. I mean, we just look at Simon Peter in this story as well. I mean, Simon Peter, right before this, what does he say? He he says, I'm going to lay down my life for you, Jesus. And we laugh at that now. He said, I'm going to lay down my life for you. And Jesus knew, he knew that Peter soon enough was going to deny him, not once, not twice, not three, well, three times. He knew he was going to deny him three times. And yet, he still washed his feet. He still 
loved him. And the good news for you this morning is that Jesus, he knows your past. He knows what you're doing in the present. He knows your secrets. He knows the ways you're gonna fail him in the future and yet he still loves you. He still loves you. He still loves you. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. He loves you. His love for you is unconditional. And that's good news. But his love is not only characterized by humble action. It's not only unconditional, but we also see here as we look forward to what he's soon gonna do, we also know that his love is sacrificial. John chapter 13, verse one. He writes this, that having loved his own who were in the world, Jesus loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. He laid down his very life for them on the cross. His love wasn't clean. It wasn't convenient. It wasn't comfortable like we often want love and relationships to be today. It was sacrificial. It was everything on the line. You know, at, at, at supper that night, he, he laid down his outer garment. He got down on his knees and he washed their feet. He cleaned them. But soon after this, he wouldn't lay down his garment. He would lay down his very life. He wouldn't just clean their feet. He would clean their souls from the stain of sin. That was the extent of his love. He did it for them and he did it for you and for me. He taught that greater love, there's no greater act of love than to lay down your life for another. And here we see that on display. In the foot washing, we see a small, humble action. On the cross, we see the greatest action of love that we could ever imagine. And a lot of times when we think about what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we, you know, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. But what I want you to remember is that the whole world includes each and every one of you. It includes me. Jesus loved us all and he calls us to share that same kind of love with other people. But here's one final thing I want you to, to know is that we can't share with other people what we haven't experienced ourselves. We can't share with other people what we haven't experienced ourselves. And so this morning, if you're, you're reflecting on Jesus' love and you're hearing this and you feel like, you know, I've never, I've never experienced that. I've never experienced the forgiveness of my sins or that, that deep affection and love that Jesus has for me. My hope and my prayer is that as we lead into Easter, that you would receive that gift in your life. But for those of us who have received Jesus' love, who have his love in our hearts, he's very clear on what he calls us to do. He says, go and love other people in that same way. And as we do that, our hearts will be changed, our marriages will be changed, our workplace relationships will be changed, our student relationships will be changed. Every relationship in our life will be changed if we live out these words. 
But not only that, Jesus says, when you do this, the world will know you are my disciples. They will begin to see my love on display. They will begin to know me as well. And so this love that he calls us to have, it's not something we can do on our own. We need his power. We need his presence at work within us. And so this morning, I invite you to to bow your heads and let's ask God. Let's ask God in his supernatural power to fill us with his love and to give us that love for other people. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your great love. We talk about it so much. We sing about it so much. It's It's hard to fathom. But God, we pray this morning that that this wouldn't be an intellectual exercise, but you would help us experience your love. That you'd help us experience it in the depths of our souls. God, we pray that you'd help us experience your love through our relationships with other people in this room. And God, we, we confess that so often we fail. We fail at loving other people well. We fail to love people in the church. We fail to love people outside of the church. We fail to love the people we've, we've pledged to love our entire lives. And God, so often we fail to love our enemies. And so we ask this morning that your grace would forgive us. That you would forgive us for those times we've failed. And that your spirit would empower us be not only receivers of your love, but as sharers, proclaimers, demonstrators of your love to the world. So God, help us this day. Help us to have hearts that are open and hands that are willing to serve. Serve others through humble action. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your son, Jesus the Christ.